0: This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is when you are listening to Fearlessly Failing. Today, I want to welcome to the podcast Ksenia Lukic. Now, we recorded this podcast back in lockdown, boss and I were living in Torquay and Ksenia was I think just out of Sydney lockdown and she's an amazing TV presenter she does all the red carpets writes her own content does her own hair and makeup and glam she's pretty unstoppable but what really surprised me about this chat is that she was really open and vulnerable not just about her career life but also her personal life so I think like no matter where you are in your life uh, whether you're you know, more career-focused or family-focused, you'll probably get something from this because she really touches on both elements. And for any Jurassic Park nerds out there, get ready. She's got a wonderful celeb story about going onto the set of Jurassic Park in Hawaii. I don't want to give too much else away. Ksenia, thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself with me. I really, really love this long overdue chat and... I can't wait to hang with you in real life and meet that Bambino. Hello and welcome to the pod, Ksenia Lukic. I just practised my last name on you, so I'm praying I did it right. You
1: did so good. It's so (laughs) good to talk to you. I know. I feel like this is a little catch-up. It is a little bit. It's been a while since we've caught up. It feels like, I don't know, I just feel like this whole year has been a complete just...
0: Whirlwind, right? Just
1: whirlwind. I don't even know where I am anymore. It's like it feels
0: like it's going really slow but really fast at the same time. And I reckon the last time that you and I would have seen each other, I reckon I can pinpoint it to the Mum tent at the spring racing carnival one Oaks Day, I reckon.
1: Probably. Probably. <laughs> With a champagne involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It feels, it feels, it does feel really weird because you know, I'm so And I'm sure you're the same. You're so used to being out and about and doing, and I mean, you guys are in Victoria too, so it's even more intense than, you know, I'm in Sydney. We're very, very fortunate. But it has been really strange to re-shift my life where normally I'm being out and about every day and now tracksuit pants are a lot more
0: common. (laughs) I'm wrapped. I'm wrapped that you're in your trackies. I'm in my yoga shorts. So don't you even worry for one second.
1: I was like, I put a cute tee on and then I put trackies on and then I thought I'd get away with
0: it. Then when you got up to get your headphones, you're like, I'm wearing trackies, dude. This is good. We want you to be comfy. Now I want to go back to before I knew you and before I consumed your, all your amazing stuff you've done with E, um, because I was like, oh, I wonder if she's st- what she's studied because you're such a natural TV presenter, journal, host. And it was so cool. So you've done a Bachelor of Arts, but then you've done postgrad in journalism. Is that right? Yeah. And then from there, how do you jump from you kind of like earned your stripes, you've done your uni stuff. How do you go from that to then, you know, working and living and living this world where you're interviewing people on red carpets, you're going to premieres and living this kind of the dream life for a TV presenter?
1: I mean, it was definitely a a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work. Um, I mean, I was modelling full-time while doing a full-time arts degree at Sydney when I was 18. So I took one year off after school and modelled Mm full-time and then after that year I went back to uni um, and I did my arts degree. And then after I finished my arts degree, I was kind of dabbling in PR internships. I was working in production with um, a bunch of events companies producing fashion shows and um, lifestyle events and things like that. But I always really, really wanted to do presenting um, and entertainment reporting. And an opportunity came up with my agent. They said that E... We're looking mm. for a Australian host, and I was like, oh, "That's kind of
0: the, goal. the dream. That yeah. would be
1: incredible." Um, I auditioned. I think there was like two thousand <gasps> applicants. I auditioned. I got to the top eight. I made the audition, and I actually got the gig. And this was before I did my journalism degree. I actually did my journalism degree after I got the E roll because so, you were
0: at E for what five years? Like yeah, 2014 so, to 19?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I was there for five years. And I I did the journalism degree after some after a little bit of time. And I just kind of went along with my bosses, were like, you know, it would be really good to have that um, qualification behind me. Yeah. And I totally agreed. I was like, I would love to do that. So they were really great in allowing me to go back to school. So mm. I was studying. And also working full-time with E so that I had that qualification of journalism behind me. And then I finished that. And then, yeah, so it kind of all happened a little bit together. But, and I'm jumping around a little no, bit. No, I love it. I love it. But when I um, when I got the E role, I was so convinced that I wasn't going to get it. <laughs> I, was, I, I remember, like, after the audition, like, lying in bed and, my it was my then boyfriend dan was next to me and i was like i can't sleep this is too much i did i screwed up like i messed up i didn't get it i didn't get it i screwed up and um i did screw up i did screw up but they saw something and they went you know what we really like her and we think that she's got something and they gave me the opportunity and from that minute i went i'm going to spend this next year because it was only a one-year contract, I'm going to spend this next year proving that I deserve this.
0: Wow! So it was only a one-year contract, and you initially initially kept, and then, yeah. and then you kept renewing it. So did it go from audition process? How Like, what was the bridge between audition process, getting it, and your first job?
1: Ah, uh, so I, I auditioned for it. It would have been like August well, end of August, September, and then I got the gig in September. It was announced, like, the 24th of September, which is oh. kind of funny timing. I know, um, right? It got, was announced in September and then I think my first job was maybe my first interview with, was with Juliana Rancic because she uh. announced me as the winner and then I did, like, a little interview with her. And, like, that was, like, my first interview. And then I yeah. had, like... um I had Kelly Osborne and then I had Angelina Jolie, oh. like all within two months. Wow. And it was like one thing after another and I, that was a real baptism of fire.
0: Yeah, straight into the deep end, right? For sure. I mean, Angelina, I would have just been, and I've seen your list, mate. Like mm-hmm. you have been such a dream. I was saying this before I to research because I didn't feel, sometimes I feel indulgent when I watch um like celebrity interviews and I'm like, oh, look, but I get so sucked in because I just love knowing the realness of someone that, you know, you see in a movie and whatnot and it was so wonderful to interview you because you're like on the red carpet of trolls interviewing Justin Timberlake and and then I've seen you like Hugh Jackman and then there's a clip of you with Zac Efron and I'm like, holy mackerel, this girl has covered so much ground and I guess I've got a few questions but the first one I've got to ask is like who's been the standout for you like someone that you've interviewed and you've been like wow they're a friggin' legend
1: uh Jeff Goldblum I mean yeah first of all he's one of like the coolest men on the planet oh gee um I went to LA to interview him for Jurassic World yes. for, that, for the second movie yes um Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and Jeff Goldblum. Like, it was a a massive day. Um, But Jeff Goldblum was, like, the coolest dude. He was so nice to me. He was, like, like, let's sing jazz together. Like, I can tell you like musical theatre. Let's, like, sing together. And I was, like, this is just the coolest day ever. And he's, like, sitting next to this gigantic plastic dinosaur. And it was just a surreal experience and... He's a really cool guy, and he's so quirky. Yeah, and I love, love actors. I love. For me, the best thing about doing an interview for me was being able to get something out of the person that wasn't the common answer. Yeah, you know, you know that classic um, when um, Lady Gaga did all those interviews after she did uh, Star Is Born. Yeah. And she, was, she basically answered the question the same almost every single time. Yeah. You know, Bradley Cooper, the same, there's, there's 100 people in the room and if only one person sees you, that's like it was this running, running gag. And that happens a lot with actors because they're doing press, press tours yeah. and they're doing dozens and dozens of interviews, hundreds of interviews if they're doing a global press tour and they get asked the same questions mm. over and over again. And sometimes you have to. Because for your packages that you're making, you're going to have to ask a certain series of questions so it makes sense. Yeah. But I really loved when I could get someone to break out of their media coaching standard answers and go, oh, my God, I'm having a really good time with you. Here's a little nugget of information that I haven't given anyone else. Or here's a really quirky little thing that I'm getting. And it's, it's like that was what really brought me and brings me so much joy when I get to interview (sighs) people. Totally. And And Jeff gave me that in spades.
0: Oh, yeah, well, if you both love musical theatre and then you're just enjoying life. It's great. (laughs) But also he's like the OG Jurassic Park too that we as kids would have grown up remembering him from. So it would have been like, I don't know about you, but I'm the girl that has literally jumped over the log in Hawaii. Like I've done the Jurassic Park tour. And so I would have been like wetting myself. I would be so excited. I would have peed my pants probably. But my, when you, if your goal is to get that little like gem that say another Juno hasn't got or uh. it's a bit, you know, it's their quirk or something that really connects to them, I imagine that means you need to research so much to kind of find that little in. Is that true?
1: I think definitely. I also, for me, and something that has worked for me really well is actually really empathizing with them. Um, mm. And I, a lot of people that I know have gone in, and I've seen this a lot journals go in and they expect a certain thing from them, and it's give me, give, 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 give. And I think if, you remember that these people are actually, they're tired, they've just been on a 16-hour flight. Um, mm. Yeah, they're getting paid bucket loads of money. Of course they're getting paid bucket loads of money. It mm. makes it easier. It doesn't make jet lag and exhaustion completely non-existent. Mm. So I think like empathising with that part of it and really like listening to what they have to say and if they want to go off on a tangent, going there with them, for me, that was really important. But also, yeah, being really well-researched and, and maybe trying to think outside the box a little bit, which can be really challenging um, when you have five minutes yeah. to interview someone and five questions. Or in some cases, the first time I interviewed Zac Efron, they gave me one question. <laughs> one question. <laughs> was like, pressure,
0: pressure, pressure.
1: Hello? Like, what? <laughs> what are, like, what? Are, what am I supposed to do with that? Like I can't get anything new with one question. Do
0: you remember what your one
1: question was? I can't even remember. It was for Baywatch. I think I got two in the end. I Amazing. There's a documentary
0: <laughs> on him at the moment and in the car. It's, about, it's called Down to Earth and it's it's kind of a camera crew following him around the world uncovering... Kind of like, you know, he does the whole like ice bath challenge. It's all those kind of quirky, charmonic kind of things. And someone's in the car and says, can you cry on cue? And he just starts bawling on cue. And I'm like, oh, to have that ability. (laughs)
1: Yeah. The first time I interviewed him, I was a little like, I was like, the reason was it was for this movie called Mike and Dave Need Waiting Dates. Mm. And he was surrounded by 14-year-old girls screaming and the man mm. couldn't hear himself think and he was a little switched off a little and he just didn't look very happy to be honest mm. um and i got the feeling from this is a complete like my interpretation of him mm. he felt really like it was like oh too much for him and i mm. feel like now that he's kind of settled down a little bit and not getting as much of this intensity He's kind of come into his own. He seems much happier to me. I mean, this is a complete, like, me advising him from the outside. But I honestly, I don't like to say, oh, I don't like that person after one interview with them because everybody has a bad day. Totally.
0: And like you said, you're getting a five-minute window. Sure. So it's super controlled and it's really hard. Like, I don't know if you remember, but back this would be like, this would be, oh, I can't believe 20 years ago now, maybe 15, Heath Ledger was doing an interview with Koshi. You remember like the, the, I think it was, um, Wouldn't have been. it wouldn't have been Batman, it would have been well before that and he was peeling a mandarin and eating mm-hmm. a mandarin in the interview and everyone was kind of paying him out that he, you know, wasn't caring. And it's like that guy could have been in back-to-back interviews for how many hours? Jet lag like you said and I think, yeah, the magic of you finding that empathy is probably a superpower for you as a journo.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 I also like to make people feel good. Yeah. And, look, maybe that doesn't make me like an investigative journalist that's going to get the really, okay, that's fine. That's for other people. That's totally okay mm. with me. I want to make people feel good and I want people, the best interview I'm going to get is when my interviewee is comfortable, yeah. they feel good, and they feel like they're not being attacked I don't need to attack you to get a good interview. Mm. I don't need to make you feel uncomfortable to get a good interview. Um, And that was something that I really valued. And E really values that as well. It's not really, particularly the Australian, it was was always about lifting people up and it wasn't about that sort of, Um, tabloidy dragging it down and of course sometimes those things come into it but I really tried to keep myself out of the really tabloidy part of entertainment
0: and I like that you just said it was about lifting people up and I've been lucky enough to know you and I've been lucky enough to do a few little work things with you and that's your energy it's quite up it's quite happy it's quite joyful that sunshiny kind of energy and I think it automatically kind of like as someone that has been interviewed you, by you, it naturally brings your guard down because you're like, oh, I'm safe here. I can be myself.
1: Well, anyway. I, yeah, I, I guess I, I definitely strive to do that. I want to make people feel comfortable and feel safe and, like, tell me about what you're doing. Tell me yeah. about your, like, yeah. this is your craft. If we're talking about an actor or we're talking about a musician and and their new album or whatever it might be yeah. or a nutritionist or someone who is, is passionate about food... This is this is your life. This is your livelihood. You clearly have passion about it. Share that with me.
0: Yeah. And speaking of passion, I one of the things I I always knew about you because I've followed you on Instagram for so long, but I feel like fashion for you is something that you absolutely love. And I've seen a few um, YouTube clips of you, like breaking down the red carpet looks of like Golden Globes and I think Oscars as well. And I'm like, holy mac, it looks so much fun to kind of like, like that year Lady Gaga was in that lavender, blue, like, and the matching hair. Mm-hmm. And I think you were having a moment when you sort you were like, this is the business. And mm-hmm. do you have a massive passion for fashion as well?
1: Look, I like I, I started my career in this industry as a model and you know I have such a incredible respect and admiration the designers Mm. um, and and people within the industry there's it's it's an art form and say what you will about clothing but clothing is telling you a piece of history a piece of time like you can look at an outfit that Audrey Hepburn wore to Mm. the Oscars. And that is a moment in time. That's the 1960s personified. You look at something that Farrah Fawcett wore and then that's Mm. a moment in time. That's the 70s. You look at Jennifer Aniston. Okay, that's the 90s. That's Mm. a moment in time. And I think that fashion has such an amazing ability to capture what's happening in the world, uh, what's happening in history, what's happening around us. I mean, even right now, look at what what is everybody selling in fashion right now? Loungewear. Oh, yeah, totally. Tracking We're selling luxe loungewear. Yeah. It's a moment in time. Yeah. It's, it's like we want to be comfortable. We're all sitting at home. Like we yeah. want to be comfortable. Let's make fashion fashionable tracksuit pants. Yeah.
0: Yours looks very fashionable, by the way. Yours mine are
1: not. Mine are like <laughs> the daggiest one.
0: <laughs> These are no,
1: like 10-year-old like, like, Bonds ones that like have <laughs> got a hole in the bum, like <laughs> not cute. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely really love fashion and, and love expressing myself through that way. And, yeah, I definitely it was always a place that I was very comfortable mm. because that's where I started my you know i was 17 when i started yeah. modeling wow so that's where i started everything
0: and through your career whether it be modeling whether it be tv presenting whether it be red carpets and the the cool thing about your career is you get to do the red carpet often in work mode like tv presenter um you know entertainment Kind of like that hat on. But then when sometimes you flip it and you're the guest on the red carpet, like at the Arias. I think you've done both. I think you've done hosted the red carpet, but also gone as a guest and had like a fun night for you, which is amazing. But you've had so, you've kind of like been to so many different things all over the world, might add. LA, New York, Paris, yeah. Where's like your favorite like work event or gig that you've been to? Like People Choice Awards?
1: Oh, so that has stuff. that's definitely that's definitely up there, the People's Choice Awards. I mean, I that was twenty eighteen. I think I went um and it was the first time that E had hosted the People's Choice Awards mm. and I had like a VIP section and they brought all the slips through and we got to go inside and I sat down like like one table away from Jimmy Fallon and Kendall oh. Jenner <gasps> and I'm sitting like Chris Chrissy Teagan's, like the next table over John Legend's performing like it was an incredible experience oh, wow. um and definitely a pinch myself moment, and I was. I, it was definitely a career highlight to be able to sit there or stand there and interview Rita Ora and Victoria Beckham oh. and just really be in LA doing it. it was oh, cool. d-
0: d- that sounds free. Jimmy Fallon is like my <laughs> all time hero, so I would have just been like, I would have been speechless. And it sounds like you got to enjoy it in work mode, but then also actually soak it up as a consumer as well, like an attendee. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I sat next to Courtney Act. So Courtney was there um, as Courtney. Yeah. And, you know, we sat next to each other and had an amazing night. And yeah, it was, it was a really good, a really, really good time at that, that trip.
0: How does it compare to, so obviously you've covered a lot of events in LA, but then you've also covered the Logies here in Australia. I always feel like The Logies feels like a much smaller, chilled, almost lax version. Is that kind of true? Wild,
1: (laughs) really? (laughs) Like Aussies are wild compared. I mean, I I I went my first year, um, my second year at EO was at the Golden Globes, um, up at like I went to some of the after parties at the Golden Globes, Mm. and I've done the People's Choice Awards. I've been to like two big LA. And definitely at the after parties, things get a little crazy. Everyone gets a little lickered up. Like everyone's having a great time. But I feel like the Logies, everyone is just really there to have a really good time. And yeah. I mean, the after party, uh, they're notoriously wild. Um, but it was really fun. I, I've been I've been twice to the Logies like, inside. Um, and I had a great time both times. <laughs> I was just really relaxed, really fun. Everyone was having a great time. That's all. Oh, it was great. Yeah,
0: I, I love that you're saying the Aussies are a bit wild, which I think they are. I think I'm going to agree with you definitely because we've got this. Like, especially when Aussies are can be a little bit boozy when they party and have to get oh, fropped sure. up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, has there? Because you, like I mentioned before, you've been as a guest a lot as well, which would be so exciting. Is there one that stands out or a red carpet moment of yours where you were like, oh, yeah, that was my favourite kind of little moment where you were frocked up in something you loved? Because I know you do a lot of your own makeup. You You um, kind of, I think it feels like that you have a big hand to do in the way that you're styled. Like you're, you seem really, that feels like a big part of your process. Look.
1: Very controlling, partly. Um, (laughs) Also, also it was was out of necessity that I did my own hair and makeup because we didn't have the budget to give me a hair and makeup artist every time. I still worked with them, um, particularly for those bigger events. I often would work with a hair and makeup artist Mm. um, because it's also just nice to have a little bit of extra help. But the Mm. day-to-day and a lot of my red carpets I was doing Myself in terms of like a moment that I really loved. um, Can I say People's Choice Awards again? I mean, like I loved that dress. I wore this incredible Paolo Sebastian dress, and I (sighs) really I felt really like beautiful and really Hollywood, and (sighs) I I felt incredible that night. Like really, it felt really special.
0: Um, I'm going to find a photo of you in that, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. I, I want to I mean, f- see that outfit.
1: It's It was a, um, it was, Paula Sebastian did this Disney collection. Yeah. Which is like two of my favourite things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was, a, it, on the dress it said it was the colours of the wind as in Pocahontas. So it was like, can you paint with all the colours of the wind? And it was just this, I really, oh. it had like a cape and there was sequins. And I just like, I was living my Disney fantasy
0: How does it go being dressed? Like did you have to go to specific fittings for that? Because that's a pretty big – and he's an Aussie designer, right?
1: He is an Aussie designer. So I work with a stylist, Michael Azzolini. He dressed me for a lot of uh, the E red carpet, big E red carpets, Mm bloggers, arias, actors, things like that. Um, Wonderful stylist. I worked with him from, from day dot. And he basically would pull items from different designers and we would try and see which one fits. <laughs> oh, so, of course,
0: I just had a flashback. Then you and I had the same personal trainer for a little while. Do you remember we'd cross over sometimes? Yes. Yeah, he's L- yeah. He's in LA now, isn't
1: he? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still
0: mates with him, but I, I just remember that was another time. I was like, oh, we did c- like cross paths quite yeah, right. a bit. What a good memory! Oh, it just comes to me when we're chatting. Um, okay, I. I think I know the answer to this, but I, I just love hearing people's take on it. I have watched you when you've done red carpets and you have to know so much about the guests, right, and there could be so many guests. It all comes down to work ethic, right? I imagine you just have to work your butt off. learn like if people are saying nominated for actor awards I imagine you know the show what they're nominated for when that guest comes up then the next guest you've got to like get rid of that information be on to the next bit you know it's not like you've got a clipboard or anything with you you're literally in the moment it's all in your brain yeah you have to work your butt off in the lead up to something like that
1: yeah so big red carpets would definitely require a lot of prep and Again, this this was a lot to do with the fact that we had a small team. In the US, the guys over there, they get producers and they still do a lot of their own research. But basically what they do is they get a binder and the binder has every single person that's going to be on that red carpet, all of the details that are on there. And then when they come up live, someone will hold up a little thing and it'll have like, um, it'll have, you know, who it is, what they're in, what they're nominated for. We didn't have any of that. I basically had to make my own binder. So, you know, for something like the actors, I'd spend a good, like, at least a day or two writing out mm-hmm. my, I would call them red carpet Bibles, and then I'd have to basically really know it, learn it, work with it. Um, I would have a producer who would often, I'd often what I would do is I would print everything out on my little pieces of paper and i had just have, like, little dot point notes. Mm-hmm. So... For example, I'd have Lola Berry and then I'd have what you're nominated for, a couple of key fun facts about you, um, and then maybe what's next for you, like if you've got a project coming up. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I would put in there. And then I see Lola Berry walking down the the red carpet. I quickly go, okay, show me Lola Berry. Look at her and go, okay, there's she's nominated for XYZ. These are the two things. And then that's in my head right before I talk to you.
0: Far out. That's a skill set, my friend. That's a skill. And I watched you do, I wa- this is reminding me of, I think it was the red carpet for Peter Rabbit with Margot Robbie. Mm. And straight away you were like, you're back in Australia. How does it feel? And you, you could, now that you're explaining this process to me, I can almost imagine your brain going, checklist one, checklist yeah. two, checklist three, and all at the same time making her comfy.
1: Well, and it's it's also like... So when you're doing red carpets with, like, big, big celebrities like your Hugh Jacobins or your Margot Robbie's or Chris Hems, whatever, mm. um, you get probably three questions. If you're lucky, you'll get five, but basically you'll have under five minutes on a red carpet. Three to five minutes is usually what you'll get. So mm. I usually have to, with my producer, we would map out what that package would look like. So we want that package to be... Um, red carpet footage all looking really beautiful then we want a shot about a a little grab about her being back in Australia then we want to grab about the movie and then we want a grab about what she's doing next and so I have those three questions I have to think about how that comes out in the package Mm. and and then ask them in that order so that we can kind of stitch them all together in post. Mate, that is <laughs> hate. It, it
0: does sound like it forces you though, which is a beautiful gift to have, to be your own producer as well, like produce your own content, not necessarily on the fly but a little bit on the fly, like you yeah. need to be in the moment.
1: Certainly as as time progressed. In the beginning I had a lot of help mm-hmm. uh, producing segments. Um, as time progressed, so my mentor for the whole time as was at E was a, a girl called Catherine Mezenberg. And who you would have met, she was our produce she was our producer when we ah. did our interview at that yoga studio. Um she is a complete angel and still sort of call her for advice even though we're not working together anymore. And she basically taught me how to produce my own segments. And as time progressed, I would go source the interviews, I would send out emails, I would set the up the interview times and mm. help, you know, set up the camera, set up the shot, this is where we're gonna do it. Let's this is what I want it to look like, here's my questions um, and then talk to the editor and say, okay, this is kind of how I want it to look and then they'll go and do it and we'll say, yep, yeah, yes, no, yes, no. Um, obviously, we had a producer that would do final sign-off and things like that but, again, as a as a kind of I had to because we were such a small team, I had to be able to produce and write mm. and um source my own stories and that's where the journalism degree degree certainly came in handy like I I had to do all that Mm. and I really liked doing all that I really liked taking ownership of my work um and it it felt like mine I wasn't reading a script it was my words my story and you know it, it felt really I felt really proud of what I achieved. Yeah.
0: How this might feel this feeling might feel like a long way away for you because you have done so much. But when you just describe that example of like, you know, Margot Robbie or Chris Hemsworth and you've got to have those three things ready to go, you've got to be kind of like Feeling good, looking good, like in the moment. Know that you've only got such a tiny chunk of time with them to get what you need for your package. How on earth do you go with nerves, or did you kind of that baptism of fire at the start kind of knock them out of you?
1: Oh, I could tell you right now, there was plenty of times where I flubbed my words and, um, you know, verbal diarrhoea, the wrong thing. And I would in a heartbeat, mate. I like would in a heartbeat. It, it, it really is a practice thing and, you know, I get people asking me how do I get in front of it, like, how yeah. do I do presenting, how do I do this? And I say, like, you've got to basically get out there and do it and I, I learnt on the job and I was really lucky that I had support from... Did you get nervous? Of course. Of course I got nervous. Yeah. As things started to progress, I got a lot more comfortable with being on a red carpet yeah. but, you know, I remember... One of my first red carpets I I rocked up and, like, Christian Wilkins, sorry, um, Dickie Wilkins is there and, on the other side, Ange Bishop's there, you know, two of the kind of staples in Aussie entertainment reporting and they're Mm. standing next to me, elbowing me for an interview, like, elbowing me to get the interview next and I was terrified because I looked up to to both of them and um, really respected them and I wanted to do really well and learned a lot from from both of them, and, and in, indeed other reporters on red carpets and journalists, print journalists, and um, all of that. You you kind of learning on the job. Well, I certainly did. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of times where I felt nervous and maybe made a silly comment. Or I think one one Aria's <laughs> one Aria's. I was on the Aria's carpet, and I, I think I was interviewing I can't even remember who I was interviewing now but it was like a 40 degree day I'd been Mm. standing in 2 p.m sun in November I was like hadn't eaten all day because I had gotten up I was doing research yeah then I was in hair and makeup and then I was on the carpet for two hours before the carpet opened because press have to be there early and I was faint like my brain was not working Mm. I was like Hey, everyone, here we are on the Logies red carpet. And someone just goes, oh. this is the Arias. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh. oh. And I just like, <laughs> just have to laugh it off. He goes, you know yeah. what? I'm exhausted. Yeah. It's 40 yeah. degrees out here and my brain is completely fried. And then you move on. Like, oh, amazing. So embarrassing.
0: So I, good, though. So oh, good you like, heard that.
1: Cringe at those moments. There's actually quite a few of them. You know, where like I've accidentally asked someone how their show's going, and the show got cancelled the month before, and I'm just like, so so sometimes you screw up because it's so much stuff, there's so much information that you need to have in your brain, particularly for those big red carpets, that you're bound to have a stuff up. Unfortunately, that wasn't live, so not everyone saw that. So that one, I got very lucky there. (laughs) But it's so
0: nice that you share that because I think that people see the the end product, the success, and it's it's so nice to know there's little trip-ups on the way and we all stuff up. So I'm glad that you just humanised yourself a little bit because... It's so nice. It just gives other people that might have a dream like this a bit of hope to be like, yeah, it's okay to stuff up every now and then, you know?
1: My first year was like such a blur. I mean, I was working so much and I was so eager to please the bosses because it wasn't just the Australian bosses I had to impress. It was the US as well Mm. because they were uncertain about me initially. So I basically spent the entire first year of my role at E. Proving myself, and I was called in every other week. You need to work on this. Your voice is too high. You need to bring that down. You need to work on your ask the way you ask questions. You need to, like, I got a lot of feedback yeah. constantly. That's a young that age to be getting year.
0: that kind of feedback, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was, I did voice coaching, I did voice coach. Um, I had a uh, like media training, multiple like tests like I'd go sit, sit back and I'd watch myself and my producer would sit next to me and go see what you did there we need to try and do it like ask your question like this like it was definitely a really and I got so I was working so much and I was so so amped up that like I think in that first year I had laryngitis a flu and then I got shingles because I oh, was wow. working so much and I was so just eager to please and and do the right thing and get it right. So I mean that first year was absolutely a grind, mm. and you know I wasn't sure if I was going to get a renewal. I, I was it was like up in the air. It was like you could get you could get it. We'll see how you go. Um, Did you learn a lot though from that moment of like yes? You
0: exhausted yourself, but you it sounds like you also really stretched yourself and really like built and built on your skill set so that you would get to the end of that first year and go, you know
1: what, I threw
0: everything at that.
1: And I did. I'm look, I'm really proud of myself for for Mm. what I did in that year because I worked my ass off and really was out to prove myself. And you know, at the end of the year, when you get the call. And they say, "Yeah, we're going to renew your contract. We'd like you to stay on. If this is now a three-year contract or a four-year contract, wow! So you've gotten past that first hurdle. Oh, and by the way, everyone in LA loves you now.
0: Wow! And you go,
1: okay, yeah, 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 really. You know, it was it was worth it, and like I really made it my i i took that job very very personally, and everything I did at that at the network was I put every single piece of me into it and so much work into it because I loved it.
0: Uh, That's why we do it though, right, because we love it. Another part of your career is kind of like the emceeing of events and you've done some incredible events with some incredible celebrities. I imagine it's kind of like you have to put a different hat on again for that though because obviously you need to know the content but you've also got to make sure whatever or whoever you're launching or helping to launch,
1: say, was it, did you
0: do something with the Kendall and Kylie collection?
1: I did. I did. When they did uh, Forever New, they did a co- collaboration with them. So I hosted them at an event and then also out at Westfield in Parramatta, which was absolute oh, wow. chaos. Um, and then, like, I hosted uh, Drew Barrymore when yes. she came out here. She did Flower Beauty. and I Was she awesome? Oh, my God, I love that woman.
0: Yeah, she's very relatable, isn't she? She's a ray of
1: light. A yeah. ray of light. Such a beautiful person. And then uh, Gigi, you've had some time with Gigi as well. Yeah, Gigi, I just hosted an event with her for Gucci. Uh, sorry, not Gucci. Yes. Um, um, I'm trying to think of the other. Ones. So, is it a different skill set though? Because you're kind of like holding
0: the space. You know what yeah, I mean for, for sure. the audience, and
1: you've got to make sure that the audience are engaged. And I mean, a lot of these times, I'm sure you know when you get an MC at an event. Sometimes you kind of tune out and you're not really listening. So it's like about capturing an audience and making sure that they are paying attention. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And you want your your talent to be really comfortable too because that's the other thing and I think you touched on it earlier Like, and you shared like the positive side of talent being quirky but sometimes there's talent that are prickly as well and you've got to then somehow manage that so that they soften.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely I have been lucky. I haven't had too many people that I've been like, oh my god, that person was a nightmare to work with. Um most of the people I've been able to get some kind of magic. good little nugget or mm. magic out of. And then of course there's times where I've done not in hosted events, I haven't had this happen, but junkets and stuff like that, where I've had not so great experiences with celebrities. Probably because they were tired or they were bored or they
0: were just over it, which I totally get. Yeah. I totally get human. Yeah. Totally get it. You've interviewed, like we said at the start. So I've got like a list here and I'm like Miranda Kerr, Chris Hemsworth, Margot Robbie, Tom Cruise, Russell Crowe, Chris Pratt, Al McPherson, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Jackman. Victoria Beckham, Justin Timberlake, like there is so, Hayley Bieber, like there is so, so many and I even feel weird asking this because you've done so much. Is there anybody that's like on your bucket list to be like, I'd
1: love to interview them? Um, I think, I feel like I've had a really good run. There's definitely um, some people that I would really still love to chat to. I mean, Oprah would be pretty good. Cool. I mean, I know that that's probably no. quite cliche. I met her. Do you know I met her? Ah, yeah, she's for about four special. seconds. Four seconds. But then sometimes, like, and then you think about like someone like Beyonce, but then I'm like, mm. you know what? I don't want to ruin that. I like the the glistle, the nice shiny lens over Beyonce. I don't need to meet Beyonce. We could just keep her as, like, up above everybody else. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of the, the actors that I really admire, like, I really love Blake Lively and I love mm. Ryan Reynolds, so I'd love to interview them. Oh, they are like relationship goals, right? I know. I'd be like, <laughs> just can you adopt me? I love you. <laughs> um, you know, Chrissy Teigen, I love. I think she's mm. really fun. Um, I mean, yeah, there's still definitely people that I, I would love to love to talk to.
0: Um, and I know I. It's time for a congratulations because there's a little bambino on the way for you, my friend. There is. We have a little nugget, a little
1: nugget I, in the oven. Oh.
0: <laughs> has that been the nickname? How's the no, I mean today? it's been. It,
1: I don't know, a little bean, uh, little one. Oh. Um, just so it's cute. it's the best thing to happen in a year that has been completely not what I thought it would be.
0: Totally. And right. you mentioned in your post when you announced on Instagram that it's been quite a long journey to get to. It has.
1: It has. It took us almost two years mm. um, to have the pub. Still really raw and I get still get like a little bit emotional about it because it's like such, it was such a full-on, sorry. No. Such a that's... full-on like part of my life um and I'm so so grateful that we have this little one Mm. it's like the the one thing I've been waiting for for so long so to see that heartbeat and to know that Bob's growing is like the best thing ever the Mm. best thing ever
0: I, I imagine it's hard this to share. Hormone. This no. is hormones. This is hormones as well. <laughs> no, no, I I, I want to say thank you for sharing because I know, mm. I imagine that would have been hard to share, but I also know that a lot of women suffer in silence in the lead up or in an, in a bid to become mums and mm. pregnant. And I personally have got quite a number of friends that have had miscarriages and had a really rough trot to... Falling pregnant. So by you sharing that, you know, someone might have needed to hear that. So I yeah. just want to say thank you.
1: Yeah. Look, I want to share it more in depth um, at some point mm. in terms of, you know, what we really went through. I'm not ready just yet because it feels mm. so raw still, um, but I really wanted to at least touch on it when I announced it because mm. I know for me when I saw people announcing their their pregnancies and It just felt like to me that people just like, you know, they look at each other and they fall pregnant. And it felt, I felt so broken Mm. and worthless. And all I wanted was that baby. And Mm. so to be able to, I just wanted to be able to make make sure people knew that this wasn't easy for us.
0: And it's freaking amazing that you can share that because that will mean so So much to, I even know so many of my friends will be like, like, and I think the more that people share it just takes away the stigma of, I think, like we were talking about career earlier and all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes. I think in so many ways deciding to have a Bambino isn't just deciding to have a Bambino. I think that there can be a lot of hard work and a lot of failed attempts until you do get that um, magical moment. So yeah, yeah. I, I really I mean, want to say thank you for sharing that.
1: No, no, I I, I do want to, and I, I would love to go into it deeper. And I'm I'm working on yeah. on writing something um, to share with people. Mm. Um, and I'm just sort of working on it, trying to get my mm. head together and get it all out. But it's it was it was full on. It was mm. full on. That's like the the, the it was heartbreaking, it was up, it was down. Like um, it was a perpetual cycle of hope and heartache mm. and I don't wish it on anybody but it happens a lot mm. and whether you're, you know, trying for a year, five years, ten years, whatever it is, it's, it's a lot, it's a very emotional journey um, for women and men any couple that is trying to, to have a family. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm so grateful. I really am. Like we're over the moon at the moment and to be able to share that news over the weekend was um, pretty special.
0: Yeah. And soak it up, my friend. Soak up all the magic that comes. Now. I know. Well, I'm like
1: finally starting to get over the nausea. Like. Yeah. I'm still exhausted and extremely emotional. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's good. That's that's part of,
0: and I think sharing what's real, man. Like that's what I really like about what you've just done. You've just, you've shared what's real and that's what people find solace in, Mm. I believe. So you're freaking amazing, dude. So I know we're in Bambino mode right now. Yes. But and we touched on like what would be that dream guest and i agree with you the way you said like let's leave beyonce you know some things shouldn't shelf. be touched well, they say you should never meet your hero mm. they say you should never meet that one person that kind of really ignites you in that heroic way so i completely understand that but say we did look into a crystal ball like is there a dream gig or something that you'd love to do down the track would it be like you know yeah like for me, I'm like, I see you doing so much stuff and I think the cool thing about you, and I listened to a podcast with you just last week when you said you'd jump on this pod about beauty beauty care and I was like, man, this chick knows so much about beauty, you know, so much about fashion, entertainment. I feel like you could almost, I feel like you'd go in any direction and you would land on your feet. Is there any kind of like dream... Thing in the future that you're really excited to maybe explore I know that's a really hippie question but
1: I just it's not ask. it's not I um I have kind of always said I like to have my fingers in as many pies as possible yeah. like give me a little bit of radio give me some TV give me yeah. some travel give me some beauty and like I'm like producing my own you know making my own hair and makeup beauty videos which is just really fun at the moment yeah um, you know, give me those interviews. I love interviewing people. I'd love to do, um get back into that. I'd yeah. love to do, because obviously this year has been like. Yeah. I mean, it's dead. Yeah. Um, So I'd love to just get my fingers into as many little pies as possible because how wonderful that I can do all these different things and really love it and enjoy it and, um yeah, I hope, I hope that there's lots of different things. I, I'm open to anything. Mm. Like if something comes to me and they say, why don't you try a random thing, I'm pretty ha- happy to give it a go. <laughs> like I'm, I'm open to so many different things because like planning is very difficult. No, that's that's good. Stay You've
0: got open. to be open. Yeah. That's the that can be our mantra of this pod, this episode. I think staying open as a creative is so important. And that's the perfect way to look into your future, my friend. It has been a total honor to have you on this pod. I'm gonna put in the show notes all the links to your Insta page and places we can find you. And I notice there's some lovely IGTVs for donuts as well, I've seen on your Instagram. Yes, my Serbian donuts, my Bubba's crew there. I've been really getting into the Serbian cooking over ISO. I know, your ISO (laughs) highlights are wonderful on your um, Insta. Ksenia, thank you so, so much for sharing so much of yourself. I cannot wait to cross paths you again in real life next time, hopefully. And, um, yeah, you've been a joy, so thank you.
1: Thank you, Lola, as always. It's a pleasure.
0: That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at yummololaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.